Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode two of the Adam Mudman's A-List podcast. Um, so we're actually going to be talking about another zombie movie today. This one along more traditional lines rather than, you know, pesticide zombies. Um, this one is from 1982, and it is Oasis of the Zombies by Jesus Franco, um, who I will be referring to as Jess Franco throughout uh, this review, um, because I am close personal friends with him through his movies. Uh, I've seen a lot of his movies. I never actually met Jess Franco, by the way. I, a lot of people call him Jess, in case you don't get the joke. But anyway, uh, no, the, uh, I have seen a lot of Jess Franco's movies, and uh, Oasis of the Zombies uh, was kind of, I think, my first, just as uh, Les Raisons de l'Amour was my first uh, Jean Roland film. And um, yeah, so this was part of the 50 Chilling Classics collection put out by Mill Creek Entertainment back in the day. Um, that collection basically introduced me to bad movies because uh, uh, some of the best bad movies are in the public domain, and they end up on giant DVD collections. So, um, yeah, you know, there's just all sorts of stuff that I've talked about elsewhere on the site uh, that, uh, you know, I encountered through uh, 50 Chilling Classics, and also its siblings. Um, there was something kind of special about the the 50 chilling classics, though, compared to the others, uh, which was um, the others, as um, they kind of have a tendency to be more public domain movies from the 30s and 40s, which is something that I didn't really get into until more recently. Um, the 50 chilling classics was more public domain stuff from, like, the 70s and 80s. So I got a good spread of just, like, some of the really pure, archetypical crap that's out there. Um, so yeah, and one of those was Oasis. Um, there's a bit of backstory to this movie, which, um, is actually two movies. Uh, so, in 1980, uh, this is just what I've read online, um, Jess Franco was hired by a film company to go out to France and make Le Lac du Mort Vivant, uh, or Zombie Lake, uh, which I mentioned in the um, uh, Grapes of Death review. And so um, Franco walked off the project because it was too low budget for him, which is saying something. Uh... It's too bad, uh, because, you know, it would have been another Jess Franco, Howard Vernon movie. Howard Vernon is in Zombie Lake, but he's not in Oasis of the Zombies. And, um, so yeah, but, uh, you know, Zombie Lake wasn't the alternative movie. What happened was, is that somehow Jess Franco ended up basically being asked to make a movie that was... Like, like basically, Oasis of the Zombies was his backup project after he fell through for Zombie Lake. And it kind of shows, because the movies um, are extremely similar. Uh, they have actually roughly the same plot. Uh, it's just that one is set in rural France, and one of them is set in rural... Um, 
Syria, I think. Um, maybe Libya. They mentioned Tripoli, but there's two Tripolis. One's in Lebanon and one's in... Anyway, please ignore any uh, inaccurate facts regarding cities called Tripoli, by the way. I'm kind of an idiot. Um, but anyway, uh, so both of them are about basically Nazi soldiers who become zombies after World War II, and both of them feature the same hilarious continuity mistake, uh, which I'll get to when I delve into the plot of this. Um, so, yeah, uh, this movie is kind of a rip-off slash alternate version of Zombie Lake, but again, that's not how it's actually two movies. Um, so Jess Franco actually made this movie twice. One of them was Oasis of the Zombies, and the other one was Tomb of the Zombies, and they are virtually identical in every single way, except I think two or three of the actors are different. Yeah, it is weird. I, I've i never been able to um, really compare the two versions, so I ended up reviewing actually a in HD print of um, the, the, the version that I watched as a kid. Uh, which is the Oasis of the Zombies version. I've seen clips, um, I think for a while on YouTube, someone basically put together all of the alternate takes that they did for Tomb of the Zombies, um, just to kind of show the difference. And it's, again, it's just different actors. They have the same roles, the same dialogue, it's shot in the same way. I don't know why Franco did this when he could have just made a dub, but maybe there were like some contract issues with the performers or something. Um, so yeah, again, I'll be I'll be watching the the Oasis of the Zombies version. Um, so yeah, basically we end up opening in the titular Oasis, and there are these two tourist ladies who are uh, driving to it, and they're probably in a relationship. They're probably gay which is good. I'm 100% because um, I'm I'm a big, big old lesbian myself. So there's these two lesbians, you know, in the Oasis, and, uh, you know, they are noticing all of this Nazi memorabilia, and this one girl is like, oh man, it's all left over from the war, let's try to steal some of it so we can sell it later. Um, <laughs> and this ultimately, of course, gets them killed. Because, you know, the Oasis is guarded by the zombies of all of the Nazi soldiers who died there. We uh, we learn right away that the dialogue in this movie is not exactly going to be what we would call normal or comprehensible. Um, at one point, like, this is a line. Um, oh, what's that? It sounds like a creaking sound. Oh no, oh, it's probably just those frogs. Yeah, desert frogs, I know what you're talking about. The entire movie is like this. Um, people will just kind of say nonsense that might sound like something that um, British or American people might say, uh, but it's not really built on first-hand experience, and I don't think any of the dub actors were in the same, like, booth together. <laughs> and it really shows. So, um, yeah, anyway, these two ladies get killed by zombies, and so, you know, we need to get some backstory on the zombies. 
Uh, so there's basically a former Nazi officer named Kurt who shows up, and he's with his wife and a couple other dudes. And she's just his wife is like, "Oh, I need you to go get Blabbert. Like, we need to have Blabbert come with us. He's the only one who can tell us where the gold is." And so Kurt goes inside, and uh, unbeknownst to the people back in his car, he brings like a hypodermic needle with him. And uh, so he shows up, and we meet Blabbert, who was a an American soldier who basically, I guess, became friends with this former Nazi after the war. <laughs> Because I'm pretty sure Kurt is... Because, yeah, he's he's the commander of the Nazi soldiers, but Blabbert is an allied officer who was fighting against him. So I guess, like, at some point in the 50s, these two guys just, like, met in a bar and was like, Hey, I fought World War II. I was an American. Oh, yeah, I was a Nazi. Ah, ha, ha, forgive and forget. Let's just have a beer together. He talks to Blabbert, and it, it turns out, yeah, basically... The Oasis was the site of a battle uh, where, um, like, this stolen Nazi gold ended up getting lost. And because Blabbert was involved with the fight, he knows where the gold is. And um, so he tells Kurt, oh yeah, you know, uh, it'll just be you and me, right? Like, it's just you and I working on this expedition. And Kurt is just like... Of course, and of course we know that he has people back with him in the car, and also we saw him pack a hypodermic needle into his pocket, so something bad's going to happen to Blabbert. Uh, Blabbert shows him where the Oasis is located, and then he gets stabbed in the hand with an empty syringe, uh, which presumably kills him with an embolism. Uh, we end up learning then that Blabbert was actually, his full name was Robert Blabbert, and he had a son, Robert Blabbert Jr. And uh, so Robert Blabbert Jr. is a student at some European university. And um, he and his friends have nonsense, weirdo conversations. Um, there's just weird stuff that they say. Uh, I'll get into some of it later. It's in my notes. Um, it's notable right off the bat that, um, Robert Jr. has, despite the fact that he appears to be probably about, like, 19, he has this very, like, I, I can't really impersonate it very well, but he has the voice of, like, a stereotypical, like, very, like, suave, mid mid-30s European. Like, he does not sound like, you know a 19-year-old American. He sounds like... I, I, it's, it's hard to describe. Um, but, uh... So, there's kind of like a flashback then where we find out um, that uh, Robert Sr., uh, when he was fighting in the area of the Oasis during World War II, uh, basically he ended up... Um, like, a lot of the local people ended up helping out the Allied soldiers, and so he ended up becoming friends with this sheik um, out in, uh, basically, this little mansion-slash-town in the middle of nowhere. And uh, 
So he ended up being like nursed back to health by the sheik's daughter Aisha, um, who is very conventionally attractive. Um, we do see her naked at a distance because, you know, it's if you know Jess Franco, and you remember what I said about European zombie movies, uh, you know, in the in the previous review, then oh man, that person's cute. They have to take their clothes off, but. Um, so, yeah, uh, he falls in love with Aisha, and he has to go back to the fighting, and when he gets back, he basically finds out, oh, yeah, she died in childbirth. Um, here's your kid. Sorry. Uh, so, yeah, that's that. And so they're just like, well, I'll just go find my grandfather then, and uh, he'll be able to direct us to the Oasis. And, um, so they kind of, uh, mosey around for a bit, but fortunately around the same time, um, Kurt has found the Oasis, and he and his crew are promptly and hilariously slaughtered by the zombies. Um, this is when we first get a good view of the zombies, because despite the fact that several characters say that this is supposed to be night, um... It's about as bright out as you could possibly get. Uh, like, it is one of the worst, like, day-for-night shots that's available in one of these zombie movies. And, um... So, in the middle of this night, we get a good look at these zombies. And so, the thing that intrigues me the most is that, like, supposedly, Jess Franco himself plays one of the zombies. And that's not unusual, because Franco showed up in a lot of, you know, sometimes unorthodox roles in his movies. Um, he played some weird, creepy hotel employees in uh, um, Vampiros Lesbos and Macumba Sexual. Um, he played a police inspector in Castle of Fu Manchu. Uh, most often, he tends to show up as, like, a piano player, I assume because he could actually play the piano. Um, and so, uh, I wasn't able to recognize him under any of the zombie makeup. Now, provided the makeup in this movie is actually pretty solid on a lot of the zombies, so it is entirely possible that, you know, I just didn't recognize him. But I also kind of wonder if maybe it's an urban legend that he played one of the zombies. Um, I do like to think, though, that, like, every review of this movie that I've come across talks about this particular zombie... Um, and he was the zombie that really kind of made me love this movie as a kid. There's one zombie in particular who has the most ludicrously fake glass eyes bulging out of his makeup. And he has his mouth in an O, like that curly-haired dude from Italian Spider-Man, um, who just, like, <laughs> points at things in, like, an overdramatic, surprised way, like... He's, he's, like, constantly getting news from his friends that they, like, had really serious breakups. And he's just like, oh, no! Honey, I'm so sorry that happened to you! Um, but yeah, anyway, so people get horribly eaten by the zombies. Um, of course, you know, they have to... The zombies have to undress Kurt's wife before they eat her. Uh, <laughs> because... Um, so Kurt goes back to town around the same time that, you know, we're, um, kind of all the plots are coming to a head and the kids are finally getting on the trail to the Oasis. Um, and so, 
uh, by the time they end up running into Kurt, like, he's become, like, a legitimate, stereotypical, like, gibbering madman. Uh, as in, like, someone read the phrase gibbering madman in a book and was like, yeah, that's what happens, I, like, if you are, you know, dealt with that sort of horrible trauma, is you just go like, 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 that makes sense. And, um, yeah, at, at points, uh, the, the dub actor didn't seem to be aware that the, the, that Kurt's mouth wasn't moving, so, uh, he's just sort of, like, babbling sounds are coming out of the bushes around him to, like, haunt him. And, uh, so they actually, it's kind of interesting because, like, aside from Kurt killing Robert's dad, which caused them to find, to, like, want to find the Oasis to begin with, because, like, because of his dad's death, they find out that, like, you know, there was this gold... And, um, they get over the, the, the gold helps them get over, um, the death really quick, like, easily. Like, uh, they go from, like, Robert goes from, like, crying into his hands, really badly, I should add, to, oh man, this gold is worth, like, six million dollars. Oh, who cares about classes when we could be getting six million bucks? Because all of his friends, like, I said that he had a weird voice, they all have weird voices, and so, like, yeah, there's, like, this one girl, and she's seriously just, like, who cares about money? Doesn't love matter? And it's, like, who says that out of context? Like, y your friends are talking about money, and you're just, like, who cares about money? Like, what about love? And so, yeah, it's 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 one of the weirder scenes, because just they're talking about the plot, but also, like in a tangential, like, parallel sort of way. Um, and that's just kind of how all the dialogue is in this movie, is it's just, like, roundabout. It's either roundabout or it's, like, stupidly obvious, because, like, just before they run into Kurt, um, they run into, like, a news team of some kind that's, like, filming the morning prayers. And, like, these, these kids are, like, such jerks. Like, okay, so... There's, like, the morning prayers, everyone's going down to pray towards Mecca, and they're just, like, walking around and, like, staring at people, like, walking in front of them. You're not supposed to walk in front of people when they're praying towards Mecca, because there's a reason why they're facing that direction. And so, yeah, they're just, like, jerks, and, and they just, like, go around, like, saying things that don't make any sense and just confusing the hell out of everyone. Yeah, so they end up running into this news crew, and Robert is just like, hey, what are you guys doing? And after, like, a really long pause, got the guy holding the microphone for the camera just looks at him and says, I'm the sound, and he's the camera. And that's all he tells them about their project. <laughs> and so, yeah, the... um. <clears throat> So yeah, he, it's actually those people who end up leading them to Kurt, but like I was trying to say earlier, is, like, is that, like, once he kills Robert Sr. and therefore gives them a reason to go looking for the gold, Kurt doesn't have any influence on the plot, because when they run into him, he dies before he tells them anything interesting. Like, literally, they're just like, tell me where the Oasis is, tell me where it is right now, and then he's just like, the 
living dead. And it's like, okay, cool. Um, and that's just kind of how just Franco movies go. Like this, I suppose then is like, well, this then serves the function of this being like creepy foreshadowing. It's it's just like, but we've already seen the zombies. <laughs> like we already know that there are zombies there. If they had like shown this guy going out to the oasis and then he just comes back and he's like horribly wounded and he's just like the living dead, then like, yeah, maybe there'd be a bit more impact. But yeah, no, we've we've already seen the zombies, so there's no. This isn't like foreshadowing. This is just getting rid of this now like unnecessary character. So eventually, they end up tracking down the sheik. Who, um, this is kind of where I want to get into some of the timeline problems. None of the characters who were supposed to have been like active during World War Two. Um, None of them have aged in the last 40 years, because I assume this is supposed to be set when it was shot, uh, so early 80s. Um, so you may notice that um, one consequence that this has is that uh, Robert Jr. is a 19-year-old college student in 1983 when he was conceived in the mid-1940s. Um, it's a bigger problem in Zombie Lake because, uh, that features a character who is, uh, conceived in 1945, who is not old enough yet to reach puberty by 1980. So, yeah. I'm gonna have fun talking about Zombie Lake when I get around to that. The only thing that has made the Sheik change visibly in all that time is that he now has a mustache. Um, he's also played by Antonio Mayans, I should say, by the way, who is in a lot... Of, he's kind of one of Jess Franco's other regulars alongside Howard Vernon. Um, and, of course, you know, Lena Romay and Soledad Miranda. Um, and so, you know, it, it, it was kind of funny discovering a bunch of Jess Franco's other movies where, like, you know, now I can just say, oh, hey, it's the Sheik from Oasis of the Zombies. Or, oh, hey, it's Alan Hacker from Re uh, Revenge in the House of Usher. Um, but yeah, no, so uh, they end up encountering the Sheik, and basically he's like, well, I guess you gotta go looking for what you want, so um, I'll, I won't take you to the Oasis, but I'll point you in the right direction. Um, and this, of course, just is an excuse for the characters to complain more. Um there's a lot of complaining in this movie. There's probably about as much just characters just bitching about stuff as there is characters referring to normal things nonsensically. And, um... Yeah, so, uh... Just more examples of the weird dialogue. I'm just kind of looking over my notes. Uh, this line in particular really stood out to me, which is, um... Uh, so, are you guys tourists? No, I live here. Oh, so you're on holiday then. Yeah. Eventually, you know, they when they make it to the Oasis, they just... The movie just kind of stops at that point. Um, everything that has been going up until, um, you know, through this first hour has been really... Um, you know, it's 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 gelled together well. It's had a lot of really nice trashiness to it. It's been 
really funny at the right moments, although, of course, you know, not in the ways that the director intended. Um, so, you know, it's... Uh, at this point, once they reach the Oasis, they basically just complain and dig and walk around. And then, like, Robert gets laid because he sleeps with this blonde lady who was with the two, like, camera crew people. Um, and then the zombies show up and kill everyone except for Robert and said camera lady. And the movie has probably the dumbest, like, faux pretentious ending that I've come across. Because here's the thing. Jean Roland could do real pretentiousness really well. Jess Franco knew what the sort of, like, pretentious, artsy scripting in, in, in just, like, the Jean Roland sort of movies was like. Like, what it sounded and looked like. Um, but he was just kind of... He he adapted it for himself in just sort of this weird and hilarious way, so that everyone talks like a pulp character, just kind of like on really bad drugs. <laughs> and um, so yeah, the zombies get out. They they kill everyone. The ending is uh, the sheik finds the the pair out in the desert, and he's just like did you find what you were looking for? And then Robert is just like, I think I found myself. And then they just go off together, and the movie ends. <laughs> and that that is, um... There's kind of some hints at that. Like, I used to... Every single other time that I've seen this movie, I've really made fun of that ending because it's so stupid. Like, it's supposed to be, like, really thought-provoking, but it's actually just, like, an imitation of thought-provoking. And, um, you know, they kind of do have a little bit of hints where they try to delve into how this is a journey about a guy who's trying to kind of come to terms with the death of his father because there's a scene where he's in the Sheik's house and he's just like... Um, I I wanted to come here because it was where my father was happy. And, you know, it's like he never knew his mother. Um, I don't even... At one point, uh, Robert Sr. is drawing Aisha, and it's kind of funny because uh, while she is attractive, the actress playing Aisha is actually noticeably uh, cross-eyed. And um, Robert Sr. retains that in his drawing, like, really, really well. And as a kid, I kind of thought that was a little amusing. <laughs> but what I'm saying is is that he did... From what I understand, um, Robert Jr. didn't inherit this drawing of his mother, which is kind of sad if you think about it, but, I mean, it's not like Jess Franco thought for more than two seconds about, you know, the incidents that made up that. So, uh... He, he wants to kind of connect with his past, and he gets a chance to meet his grandfather... And that's really cool. Um, and so, you know, that ending kind of makes sense in that context. But, I mean, if you think about it kind of in the more obvious sort of sense, he found himself through all of his friends being killed and eaten by zombies? Like, <laughs> I don't really know how that's exactly a, um, a like, character-changing moment. Uh, I mean... 
at least the way it's portrayed. Um, again, good zombie movies, you know, like Grapes of Death, um, they they tend to have that emotional quality to them where they hit really hard. They have things like, you know, oh no, my family member uh, or my best friend has become a zombie and I don't want to kill them. Um, in this case, all we know of Robert and his friends is that they're bothersome assholes. And uh, consequently, it doesn't, like, Robert himself has a little bit of depth, but it, it's kind of like everyone around him is so shallow that it's really unlikely that their deaths left much of an impact on him. <laughs> so, um, that's basically all I have to say about this movie. Uh, that's not kind of more just a summary of things rather than like a concrete opinion but like you know all of this was extremely entertaining if you couldn't tell like I, I i just this was one of this is a movie that is so firmly rooted in my past that um you know i i i can just summarize it and just i'll i'll have these memories and these these thoughts and feelings from just seeing it so many times that, like, I guess that's just sort of, like, a slice of just how I feel about it. Um, you know, a lot of movies like Ogroff and, you know, Don't Go in the Woods and even things like the Tony Blair Witch Project, I can't exactly get into the whole spirit of why I like them, but Oasis of the Zombies keeps pulling me back year after year. Um, it definitely is there's 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 a few moments which are actually like genuinely creepy as well so it does actually make a good halloween movie um so yeah that's basically all i have to say uh i will hopefully be doing more zombie movies in the future uh you know there's plenty of zombies to go around i'm not gonna run out anytime soon so until we meet again